going to have our uh, anointed brother, Corey Kilpatrick, to uh, speak to us tonight. A message from heaven. Let's believe God for a miracle tonight. There we go. Now we're on. All right. Thank you, everyone, for coming, for one. Uh, I have a nice... I had a nice day full of the usual vigor of my normal day. And uh, I am grateful to be able to come into a song service and to sing and give God praise to heaven and just let those things that were stuck in your mind just slip into the background so we can focus on the purpose and the reason why we're here. Um, So thank you to those that have practiced and labored so that the rest of us can um, sit back and enjoy the labor that you've poured into it over the years. Um, we say thank you, or at least I do. So for tonight's sermon, um, the title is God, that Jesus meets you where you are. Um, now this story that I'm going to focus on, the majority of my sermon, is actually on one that many of us know very well. It's actually the Gadarean demoniac. Um, but this story um, is one point in history and as most of us understand that our lives are not a single story or a single point, they're actually a series of points and there's usually a reason why one precedes another and they all come together because many of them are actually connected. And the story that immediately precedes this is actually after they had had a long day, the disciples and Jesus crossed the sea and a great storm came up against them and they, these men literally thought they were going to die. And these are not men that were uh, just easily scared at the water. Actually, many of them were fishermen and very, likely very good men at sea. So this storm that came up, Jesus rebuked that storm. And the wind and the waves, this physical storm, this outward storm, obeyed him immediately at his word in a moment of time. And I believe this is, the, this is the same authority as then later used in the story that we're going to focus on together. Um, and when it comes to the Gadarene demoniac, we think of someone who is completely, utterly, totally out of their mind. And in our church, for any of you who have been around very long, we actually have our very own personal example of someone who was completely, utterly, totally out of their mind. And that's actually Pastor Jeff Beswick when he first got saved. He even was living in the tombs, so to speak. He was living in the graveyard. He was completely gone. Um, And that's actually probably a very good point to start here. Uh, Because our city, we have many, many, many examples of people that are completely out of their minds. And what they need is an opportunity for Jesus to meet them where they are. And with that, I'm going to start in Mark chapter 5, just with verses 1 through 5, and we're going to work from there. So then it came, uh, then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the place I can't pronounce. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, And no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him. 
and the shackles broken to pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always, day and night, or sorry, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. Now, this is just a moment in time of his torment. See, one of the things that happens when people are tormented by a demon spirit, or many spirits in this case, and that's what I believe is the vast majority of mental problems these days, whether it be depression, whether it be suicidal thoughts, whether it be bipolar or schizophrenia or some other uh, self-hatred or some other uh, mental problem that someone might have, I believe that's because they are being tormented by demonic spirits. And that's exactly what was happening to the Gadarene demoniac. I know many of us, we may not think of this as something uh, for someone who goes to work every day that it directly affects you. But the truth is, is not everyone is infested with many, many, many spirits. But some of us allow ourselves to come to a point, even potentially without your knowledge, where you're allowing a spirit to influence you. And that's part of what um, I want to focus on. And the Gadarene demoniac... It's actually believed that he, not only was he running around screaming and crying out, but he likely was running about naked because he was, later on it talks about him being sitting and clothed in his right mind. And this lines up perfectly with a number of people that, that I've heard about throughout the years about people having some severe mental moments um, in time that they just abandon all sense of reality and all portion that would come to uh, what we would consider normal in any way. And anyone that's ever been in the city, let alone worked in the city as I have, those moments come and go, unfortunately, all too frequently. And the truth is, people, even in this time, they tried to do everything they could to tame and to hold the symptoms. And even nowadays, with all the latest drugs and the tens of thousands of different options of how they might treat someone with a mental issue, each one of these even though they might have a scientific basis for why they're doing what they're doing, each one of these simply and only treats the symptom. And there's only one way to truly get to the bottom of it, to, to truly heal what is broken. And that's because Jesus can help them right where they are. And there's even people today, even just as it says here, that, that the, the demoniac cut himself. And this is a spirit that is of self-harm that wants to destroy you. And I believe that's the very spirit that grips hold of people that are drug addicted. Because as they go deeper and deeper into their drug addictions, they too take on a spirit of self-destruction, first in part, then in whole, until it completely enraptures who they are. So I'm going to continue on here in Mark uh, chapter 5 and verse 6. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you, you by God, that you do not torment me. For he said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is your name? And he answered him, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. As he begged him earnestly and he that he, that he would not send him out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountain. So all the demons begged him, saying, Send us to the swine that we may enter them. 
And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. And in mine it has in parentheses, there was about 2,000. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned. And drowned in the sea. So this herd of, of 2,000 or more, I believe the reason why that some of these uh, different ways they, they note this and they want you to know that number is not, not simply just to know a number, but rather to know how severe the torment was of this man. And one of the things that happens when people are tormented by demons, they are driven away to seclusion and they are to- they're tormented alone. And this is where they're given complete right of way in your mind is when you would seclude yourself and withdraw yourself from every other influence that could bring that moment that Jesus could help you in, in the, just in a moment of time. Because when Jesus spoke the word, they immediately had to respond. This is the exact same thing that happened when they were on the sea. When that storm rose up in the physical, he commanded it. And he had that same authority that calmed the natural storm on the sea, when I say natural, I mean nature, is the same exact authority that calmed the storm that was in his mind that commanded the storm to leave immediately. So when we think of this, as I said, these two stories, when I was looking at them, they, they, they're, they're not just one thing than the other, but, but they're actually one and the same. One in the same authority, and they're one in, in, in the same uh, moment in history and to imagine these disciples uh, just this short amount of time in their uh, time with Jesus where they go from an incredible tempest to a man completely delivered. Now, when we think of deliverances today, this isn't the same thing that we normally think of, but, but the very same power that they speak of in the, in the Bible here is the very same power that's available to us to help those that are afflicted, to deliver those who are bound, and to truly bring Jesus to them in their dire moment of need, in their great distress. Because there are many people that will hide their distress very, very well, whether that be big or small. Sometimes it's, it's a, uh, what they would think is a small thing that will only grow, but they, they will try and hide their distress, the influence that they're allowing to take one piece at a time as it grows and takes another piece out of their life and out of their mind that's driving them further and further alone and further and further away from God. So the truth is, is Jesus can help you immediately. It doesn't have to be a delay. It doesn't have to be a 127-step uh, program. It, Jesus helps, and he has absolute authority. He does not yield any authority that he does not willingly give up. He has absolute authority. So the truth is, is when we get healed, sometimes people are not happy about it. And whether that be someone who's not saved and you would come to know Jesus, whether that be someone who was, was broken, whether that be someone who had a physical ailment, whether that be someone that has some other torment, because we have another example of that happening when, when Paul cast the, the demon out of the girl that was a, a fortune teller because of the money that it afflicted on her owner. They were very upset. And it's the same reason why in this story, the, the people around the area that, that heard about this, they also too were upset because the swine, that was a, a symbol of money, a symbol of value 
um, in that region. And now the region that they were in was not a Jewish area. This is an area that, that we would generically call a Gentile region. And that's also one of the other things that's incredibly interesting to me is that Jesus would travel all the way across this lake, deliberately go through a storm to show that he can command the, the, the storm and expect them to have faith, and then immediately go and deliver this man in his great distress. And this man, by all accounts, is not a Jew. He's not actually one of the children of Israel. But that's actually very good for us because Jesus himself healed someone that wasn't a Jew because nearly everyone in this room, I would expect, was, were not Jews. And that's very good for us because it means Jesus is still interested and invested in helping us in our distress and helping each one of us in our need. And so I'm going to pick this back up in Mark um, chapter 5, verse 14. So those who fed the swine, um, so those who fed the swine fled, and they told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that had happened. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who saw saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. Now, that's the part that doesn't make sense to me. If you just saw that, that God in the flesh here literally just commanded demons to leave this man and help this man, and immediately through the spoken word that he commanded, that they fled, why in the world would you want him to leave other than they themselves were not of the same spirit? And that's the truth about those that are not happy when we get healed and they're not happy when we get saved. They're simply just not of the same spirit. They haven't had the opportunity or they haven't chosen it because that's one of the things that we have to do when, when it comes to getting saved or when it comes to healing. We have to choose that we want to be healed. That's one of the simple things that um, for those that are drug addicted, whether that be the only drugs or that be some other addiction, um, they have to choose that they want to be healed that they want to be made well. And sometimes that's even for those that are they have a broken body because unfortunately some people that, uh, that I've heard before where they've showed that they really didn't want to get healed was because whether it be some form of uh, welfare or something they qualified for because of their infirmity that held them back because of the money that had a greater grip on them than their desire to be free. But Jesus wants us to be free. And the people that will be around you and that will rejoice with you, they're of the same spirit. Because those that rejoice when God helps you are the ones that they themselves have also had a moment or an encounter with God or they want to know it just as, as, as you have. And this man who had such an incredible deliverance, he wanted to follow Jesus but Jesus told him exactly what he needed to do, and that's the same as we ought to do when we have an encounter and we have a moment in time with God where he meets our needs, is we should go tell someone else about it. We should go tell everyone else about it. And in this story, it says when he got into, when, this talking about Jesus, when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might 
be with him or that he might follow him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. Now, this is one of the things in one of the sermons that I heard just uh, last night or the night before, I can't remember already, but they talked about uh, some of the breakthrough they were having in Muslim nations, and it was because of people that were, I'm not sure it was healing or deliverance, but because of miraculous help from heaven. And those supernatural touches are what was breaking through in Muslim nations. They were breaking the door wide open and, and allowing Jesus to prevail in those areas that would otherwise be considered a stronghold that might be predominantly Muslim. And the truth is, for each one of us, our healing and our deliverance and our salvation is meant to help others. It's meant to help build their faith that they too can believe God can heal them or can deliver them or can save them. Because each one of us, we were at a point where we too did not know what we even needed. We didn't know the recipe, so to speak. We had no uh, perfect worldly answer for what was wrong with us, but God did. And I also found it somewhat interesting that the, that the these unclean spirits wanted to also go into these pigs with the Jews, which they would have considered them unclean as well. And that's where they wanted to go. They didn't want to be sent out of the area. Now, this is not the only example of Jesus meeting someone where they were. There's a lot more examples here. I'm going to briefly go over a couple, just two more. Because Jesus is, is someone who has a consistent heart towards us and wants to help us. And the reason why he wants to help us is because he loves us. And his love is shown towards us through many, many, many actions that he has. And the greatest one is obviously him coming to this earth. But so the next one that I was thinking of when I was preparing this was, was a life of brokenness. And this was the man at the pool of Bethesda. This is a man that was lying there for many, many years and very likely to no fault of his own. This was likely a childhood injury that he was likely not born with it. Otherwise, in other, in other stories, if it was an ailment that they were born with, this is something that would have been noted. So this is something that happened to him and very likely no fault of his own. So this one's pretty brief. I'm still going to read it because it's of great value for us to understand that the type of God that we serve and the type of God who wants to meet us exactly where we are. And this one's found in John chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. So after there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, and paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well, or whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there, who was there, had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already had been there in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? And like I said before, this is one of the questions that God is going to ask us. No different than when we want to be saved or if we want a physical healing or if we want a, a, 
a mental healing, he's going to ask us, do you want to be made well? Because he's not going to do anything against our will. Because that's one of the things that he has granted us is our free will. And it's one of the things that makes us unique and incredibly uh, special and valuable. So the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another man steps down before me. So this is exactly how some of us answer God when he asks us, do you want to be healed? Well, I don't, I don't, I don't have, know the right doctors or this or that. Well, that's not what he asked him. He, he answered him with a worldly answer because this pool was actually a pagan, a pagan place that was not, uh, not, a, not a godly place. And their faith in the waters being stirred up was not a faith in God. So sometimes people hold tight to the too far to the to the worldly knowledge because when Jesus asks you if you want to be made well he's going to simply ask you if you want to be made well he didn't preface it do you want help down to the pool he didn't God doesn't need the worldly solutions to heal you he has the absolute authority on all things so then Jesus said to him rise take up your bed and walk and immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. Now this man, having been paralyzed for such a long time, in itself, even just for him to be able to stand itself was a miracle. So we, you know, we can be like this man looking for healing everywhere but Jesus. But we can find it in Jesus. He is the true source and the absolute ability to heal us. Well, now sometimes when Jesus comes to us, it might not be in the way we think. Sometimes it can be just through the words of a complete stranger. Sometimes it could be a friend, or sometimes it could be someone else. But either way, we still have to choose that we want to receive, that we want God to heal us, that we want Him to set us free, that we want Him to be the one to, to be the solution to our problem. We have to choose it. And the third place that I was thinking of when I was preparing this sermon was actually the woman at the well. Now, this one you might not think was the same, but it actually is because this woman, she, she had a, quite a great distress because the way her life had, had come about, she found herself also abandoned and alone. She found herself to having to go to the well in the middle of the day, the heat of the day, when no one else would want to go. And this is where she would find herself completely alone, drawing water by herself. Now, this was more than just simply drawing water in the middle of the day. Because in this time, the women that would come to the well in the morning, it wasn't simply just drawing water. This was a time that they would socialize together, that they would talk with one another. Um, I know uh, plenty of ladies that like to chat and talk about their kids or, or talk about whatever happened this week or happened last night or yesterday. This is the type of relationship that she was ripped away from because of the shame due to the situation she found herself in because of the multiple marriages and otherwise. And with the woman at the well, when Jesus was there, I believe that, that he chose to be there at exactly that time. And he chose to be there at exactly that time to meet with this woman, which was also a Samaritan. And that in itself I found very 
special because in the Jewish line of things that Samaritans they they were largely hated they were very very against each other but but Jesus loved her enough to meet with her personally and to bring not simply just a moment in time with him but this was the first time that he publicly revealed that he was the Messiah which I found very interesting that it wasn't a Jew it wasn't even a man but it was just simply a broken completely ashamed woman at the well by herself, in the heat of the day, in the heat of her distress. I'm going to read this story, even though it's a little bit long, because it's still of great value. Because it's one of the things that just... There's still such value in in many of these stories in the Bible that without reading them, I don't know another way to truly convey what God has for us. So now Jacob... Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being weary from his journey, sat thus by the well in about the sixth hour... A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealing with Samaritans. Jesus answered her and said, If you knew the gift of God and who who it is who says this to you, give me a drink, you would ask have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with. Now this is where she's, again, thinking with an earthly mind, and the well is deep. Where then do you get this, that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, will never thirst. But the water that I shall give will become like a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered to him and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You answer, you have, you have said, You have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you are with now is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, I perceive that you are a prophet. Amazing. Our father worships on the mountain, and the Jews say that Jerusalem is where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me. The hour is coming when, when you will neither... On this mountain, nor in Jerusalem, worship the Father. Your, uh, you worship what you do not know. We know what we will worship. Oh, my eyes are getting buggy. We'll worship for salvation of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know, that, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Now that was a point where I just found it very, very interesting that, that Jesus would reveal himself to this woman publicly, the first public one, 
And then after that, the very next thing that would happen is then, the, I'm skipping just a verse because the disciples came back because they didn't understand why he was talking to the Samaritan woman. But the woman left her water pot, went on her way into the city and said to the men, come and see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. So this was the response this woman had to her encounter with Jesus. This moment in time where Jesus wanted to come to exactly where she was in the middle of her distress, even in the middle of her shame. And he wanted to bring his spirit to her and impart it like the living water that he spoke of. That's the very same spirit that we have available to each one of us today. And that's the very thing that caused her to want to immediately run and tell everyone exactly what was going on. Because that's the response that we should have. And that should not be a one-time response. That should be a lifelong response. And the other half that I found incredibly interesting is she left her burden. She, she carried these water pots and this water with her. And when she left, she did not bring it back. So she, after having met with Jesus, she laid down her burden and she ran to tell others. This woman at the well, she's not exactly what we would call your um, top shelf members of society in that day. In fact, I would say this is the opposite. This is someone who's very lowly. And that's where I found it very interesting because Jesus, and God still does today, chooses imperfect people, sometimes the lowest of people, to bring his word and his salvation to other people, to bring his deliverance to others. And I think he might have deliberately chose one of the most outcast people of that city to be the first one to be touched. Because the other people that would see it would immediately go, what happened to her? And that profound mark and that profound spirit of Jesus that was upon her immediately meant they wanted to know exactly where that came from and exactly what happened. And that's exactly as we're supposed to do. And that's what, what Jesus calls each of us to do. And that's to bring the encounter we had to others to increase their faith so they too can believe that Jesus can help them in, in their circumstance. And Jesus himself coming to earth was going to extraordinary lengths to establish a relationship with us. This was not just a simple walk, out of, walk in the park, as we might say in slang, but he came to this earth so that he could die for us, so that he could restore what was broken in this earth and in humanity, so that we ourselves would have the opportunity to know God, like he said here in Spirit and in Truth. That's exactly what he did. He, he came from the greatest of distance to meet us exactly where we are. He came to this earth to meet us where we are. And he lived this earth blamelessly so that we could go back with him when we leave this world and go home. So with that, I'm going to have every head bowed for a few moments here. Because there's a great deal of impact that Jesus wants to still have for each of us. If you've never known this spirit that I talk about, being saved, being set free, being in your right mind, being tormented by the decisions of your past, the shame that has gripped you, the sorrow that you bask in within your mind, I tell you right now that Jesus Christ wants to heal you and he wants to have a relationship with you. 
Because as the Bible says, he will never leave you or forsake you. And that's exactly what he wants to do for you here tonight. How many would there be in this place that if you have never known Jesus before, that you would want to start that relationship with him here tonight, that you would want to be forgiven? How many would there be? I'm not going to hold this long. And for all of us, even if we've had a first encounter, sometimes we're ready for another one. Because just as the, the storyline would go, whether it be for this man who had an injury as a young man or whether it be this woman at the well, we can continue to have failings throughout our lives. We can have new failings. We are not perfect. The difference is what we choose to do when we have our imperfect moments. And that's whether or not we will call on Jesus again. Because he still is eagerly awaiting for the opportunity to forgive you. If not for the first time, not for the second, however many times it takes. Because he is an all-powerful and all-loving God with the most incredible compassion towards each one of us. So how many in this place, you might have known Jesus at one time, but you might have made some poor decisions along the way, and you would want to know him again and have that same opportunity that he has given you once before, or maybe many times before. How many in this place would want that opportunity yet again? And then finally, for those that are already believers, sometimes for us, we unknowingly have allowed ourselves to be influenced by a spirit that is not of God. And I would invite you to pray up at these altars that, that Jesus can meet with you right here tonight, that he can set you free, that he can heal your mind, that he can do anything. There's no limits to what he can do. The only places where he limits himself is where he has chosen to limit his power. And that is with our choice. So if you would want to choose that healing, if you would want to choose that freedom, you can have it here now tonight. So I want to open up these altars for a few moments to allow people to pray in this place.